Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott, and I'm here to do a quick intro to our interview that we have this week. Really excited about this interview. It's with Matthias Roberts, and he is the host of Queerology, which is a podcast locally here in Seattle that uh, has been really um, impacting me and really impacting Macy lately. Um, Matthias, uh, holds an MA in theology and culture and an MA in counseling psychology from the Seattle school of theology and psychology here in Seattle. So he's a therapist, licensed therapist, and he's a podcaster. And now he is also an author. Um, but let me just say a little bit about queerology. Uh, queerology is a podcast, uh, it says here, uh, on belief and being. And another little description of queerology is, how might we live, or oh, this is a question I guess Matthias is asking throughout the podcast, how might we live better as queer people of faith? Matthias Roberts brings together theologians, psychologists, poets, thinkers, and change makers for conversations around belief and being. So that's his podcast, but he also has a book coming out in January that you can pre-order now. And the book is called Beyond Shame, Creating a Healthy Sex Life on Your Own Terms. We got an advanced copy and I'm trying to make this short, so I won't talk about it too much, but I think it's an excellent book. Um, he is part of a movement that's addressing purity culture in a really um, profound, intelligent, articulate, um, science-based, um, theologically rooted way that I think is very helpful for people. The book is not like a Christian book necessarily, but um, Matthias writes... Uh, as a person of faith. So this book is coming out in January, but you can pre-order it now. And uh, there are some perks that you get if you pre-order the book. And one of these perks is a masterclass with Linda K. Klein uh, that gives you some really great tips on how to move beyond shame. And then there's some takeaway notes. Let's see. Um, an artist that Matthias knows has created four limited edition pieces that you'll get digital access uh, that you'll get digital access to, and then you can print them out, put them on your mirror. So they're they're uh, little artistic notes that uh, take quotes from Matthias's book, and you can put them around your house. They're pretty cool looking. Anyways, you can you can see all this on Matthias's website. It's at matthiasroberts.com. Uh, but we talk about this on the podcast. The, the book in and of itself is worth the money. It's a really excellent book. And uh, I want to read a quick little description of his book here. Um, it says, we all carry sexual shame. Whether we grew up in the repressive purity culture of American evangelical Christianity or not, we've all been taught in subtle and not so subtle ways that sex outside of very specific contexts is immoral and taboo. Psychotherapist Matthias Roberts, our guest tonight, helps readers work through their shame around sex by overcoming three unhealthy coping mechanisms we use to manage that shame. Beyond Shame encourages each of us to determine our own definition of healthy sex while avoiding the ditches of boundaryless sex positivity on the one hand and strict moralistic lines on the other. Define your sexual values on your own terms, overcome your shame, and start having great healthy sex. So that is the description of the book. Uh... Here comes the interview, everybody. We just want to say, we live in Seattle. I heard about Matthias through uh, an article in Seattle Times about a year ago, and I was so excited that somebody like him is here in Seattle doing this sort of work. Uh, highly recommend picking up this book. I'm not just saying that because Matthias is on this episode. Um, and I highly recommend recommend listening to Queerology. So here's the thing about Queerology. I think the, th the work Matthias is doing, and he is on a break with the podcast, but... Um, 
I, I, I love that it's just essentially it's great conversations, but it's also hearing stories. It's hearing stories um, of people's experience of being queer in the world. And these are stories that have really impacted me personally for the better um, over the last few months as I've been listening to Matthias's podcast. So so excited to be associated with his work. Uh, so excited to have a chance to be able to talk to him. Um, so inspired uh, that he's written this book and that it's coming out in January. And uh, if you if you're listening, um, please, I, I would say listen to the podcast, um, promote it if you get a chance on your social media, give it a rating and review. But also pre-order Matthias's book. Um, it is a really great book, and um, yeah, we we loved having a chance to interview him. This this interview went particularly long. I think we were just having a really great time talking to Matthias. So there was just a lot of lingering and chatting, and um, that probably comes out in the interview. But yeah, um, enjoy this. Next week, we'll be doing an episode on Enneagram. I think we'll be talking about variants. And uh, yeah, that's it. Here is this week's episode, episode number 79, um, with uh, an interview with uh, the host of Queerology, Matthias Roberts. Hope you enjoy it. We're in the house. We're in the house with Matthias. <laughs> yes. He so is he here with us. <laughs> it's so rare that I go into houses these days. Yes. You're usually <laughs> in your... You live that apartment closet. life. <laughs> that apartment life. You're in a house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. This is a... It's a nice It's energy, a little right? a little greenhouse. Here we are. Yeah, yeah it's so cute. <laughs> I lived in an apartment for a year when I was doing seminary. And... Uh, I don't know what I'm about to say, but I, I want to say I kind of prefer it because mm. I liked that if something was broken, somebody could come up and fix it. Right, like literally, <sighs> like people changed my light bulbs for me, <laughs> which I didn't even know I could ask for, but yes. I tried it once. And Isn't that nice? I walked in and they were changed. Bam. Wow. No. That is nice. <laughs> I think my landlord is kind of like that because we rent this house and she does a lot of things if we ask. Mm. So that's nice. Maybe the best okay, of well, both worlds renting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a homeowner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, apartments. Cool. Apartments nice. Apartments are it's great. Got some built-in community. There was a yeah. grill I got to use because it was in California. So it was an outdoor grill, mm. and somebody would clean that later. You know, it's like this I just grilled and left. You know, whoa. That's a, this seems like a very nice uh, Southern California apartment okay, situation. Gosh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> With looks on everybody's face. Right? <laughs> This is a different type of apartment. I don't know. That is. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but. Um, okay, so we're here with Matthias, who has a podcast called Queerology, mm-hmm. and he always begins his episodes by asking his guests these two questions. How do you identify, and how has your faith shaped that? Yeah. So We should start with Matthias, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Scott had this idea that we would start oh, a good idea. with us <laughs> all doing this, yeah. and that would be Seems our intro for yeah. this, <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I've been asking. We're turning the tables on Matthias. Yes, I mean you are. uh, (laughs) I ask this question so often, and I I think every time people ask me it, like there's that slight sense of panic, (laughs) which I wonder what my guests feel when I (laughs) (laughs) ask them. Well, it's just like I took Macy's picture before we came in here, and and I was like, "This is so fun." And then Macy's like, "Let me take your picture," and I'm like, "No, no, 
it's so real. Yeah, so I I, I identify um, white, gay, cis man. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I identify as Christian. Um, and, and I think, like, that identities list, I mean, could go on and 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 on. Um, but those are kind of like the, the major points that I most usually stick to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'm a therapist. Um, that, that one feels important too. Um, and I, I think the ways my, my faith have informed my identity, um, it's always been this struggle because I, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household that was, I mean, my parents, I mean, borderline fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I was, I grew up within church context and, and faith context from like the moment I was breathing. Um, and I, I think because of that, internalized so much of that face so that so that when I started realizing like <laughs> that, that, like oh shit I'm gay which it wasn't the, that wasn't the language I had at the time yeah um but that kind of like wait a second mm-hmm. I mean the, the the damage had already been done mm-hmm. um because of the way I had been enculturated mm-hmm. um and so that deeply impacted my identity in that I wasn't able to embrace my identity. I wasn't able to be queer. Um, I tried to be straight. Um, and which caused massive amounts of damage, like damage I'm still working on Mm -hmm. sifting through and and recovering from. And, um, but, but I think I've always held on to this kind of this through line of God loves me. And I don't know why, like (laughs) is baffling to me in a way because I think people have asked me in the past, like, were there ever moments that you doubted your faith or, or doubted God? Um, and for some reason, I haven't. Hmm. I don't know why. I totally hmm. understand why people do. Like, in fact, I almost wish I had. <laughs> but there's always been this kind of sense of, like, God loves me and God's faithful. Um, and, I've, and I've never been able to get away from that. And so as I've done work on my identity that has remained. And so I've, I've had to work with myself and then with what I actually believe about God to yeah. kind of adjust and shift and, 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 you know, do all the things that, w- that we have to do to, to deconstruct. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that fully answers the question. Whether or not that's the proper answer. I'll say that was the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could never, one could never fully answer no, that no, kind totally. of question. Right. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, totally. Well, because you can answer it. I feel like if I was asked this question weekly, it would be different every time. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a blank yeah. canvas, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. However you're feeling at the time and new things you've learned about yourself, old things you're letting go. Yeah. I feel know? like literally just based on my mood is how I would answer this question. Yeah, well, totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it opens, it opens up so much to talk about yeah yeah mm. well who wants to go next <laughs> who me you I, i'll go next okay, just because okay, i want to okay. be done <laughs> <laughs> okay i may see i identify this is an interesting one um i feel like i'm like first of all identify as just macy um 
But then I also identify as being genderqueer, identify as being... Like, I was thinking about this question in the shower this morning, and I thought, I feel like I do identify with the, like, idea of an alien. So mm. that's part of it, I feel like. Mm. Um, identify as a preschool teacher slash after-kid school teacher, which is a sweet thing for me. Um, and identify as a four on the Enneagram. I feel like that's <laughs> another identifier piece of me. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a thousand other ways I identify. It's such a big question. Um, yeah, it makes me think. This is. Can I give a sidebar? Say whatever you want. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> at work today, I was reading this book. That's a book about gender identity, and there's this little chalkboard drawing in it, and it has these questions, and you can like kids are answering. I am a boy. I am a girl. I am neither. I am both. I'm just me. And like the kids like can answer them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as I read this book, I've probably read it like 10 times working there. I've like had different answers like multiple times. Like some days, like today I was like, yeah, I would say I'm neither, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And some days I say I'm just me. And some days I'll say I'm both. And I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I like that identity. Um, how has my faith shaped my identity? Another big zinger. Um, faith is interesting for me because I grew up in a kind of Christian home, but not like aggressively Christian. My dad read the Bible to me and then I got like wrapped into an evangelical church and wrapped into a very specific church culture, um, that, I think when I do think of like my journey of my identity, I was a lot more free until around middle school when I started to feel like I needed to be something or fit in or fit whatever the code was in order to be okay. Um, And that was also around a similar time that I was getting wrapped in the evangelical Christian culture. Um, So my faith shaped me in that I think for a long time, it made me feel scared to be who I was. but at the same time, faith was also like my lifeline, right. you know? Um, but I think faith has also shaped my identity in that as I've like been able to discover a more mystical, expansive, like a more true God that is a lot harder to understand, but a lot more rich. Um, that's allowed me to also see that in myself and given me freedom to identify as more of who I am. That's like more complex, but it's also who I am. So that's just that the way I've been able like the way I see God and my journey of seeing God has also been, I think, a reflection on who I am. Mm -hmm. Hmm. There's my thoughts. That's good. You get an A. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, ch- you achieved well gosh that, that was a really tough question mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt mm-hmm. it <laughs> um, I felt it it is, it is it is challenging and I maybe as people are listening they can think of it for themselves too instead of just merely listening they can think wow how would I answer that yeah I have no idea what I'm about to say um, I identify as he him pronouns um, uh, do I identify as a male I'd say, I guess. Um, Maybe. I do. Oh, no, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> are you just giving me space to change my mind on that? Is that no, no, I was trying to say that. You can like, say it in the microphone. <laughs> oh, got it. So you're saying, like, so oh, I guess sure. I'm a male. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still learning. <laughs> um, 
Oh, identify. I, I do identify as a Christian. Um, what other things would I say in this category? I'm still kind of learning. I know. It's an interesting so all category. All the options are sort of been semi-limiting mm. over the years for me. Mm. Um, I, I guess dad? I would say I still, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. <laughs> I, I would, I, I've been recently, I stopped working at the church I was working at. So currently, I'm, this is going to be part of our narrative for a few months probably. I'm not employed. <laughs> or Macy keeps reminding me I'm self-employed. <laughs> um, but um, it's been interesting to, th- to think, even on my Instagram handle, I changed my, I've never had like a bio, mm. and I changed it to pastor recently. Hmm. Uh, recently? Yeah, just like hmm. yesterday. Huh. So I definitely view myself as a pastor, huh. whatever that means. I'm a still shepherd? seeking ordination in the Presbyterian church. Um and that's still something I'm interested in. Uh, in terms of my faith forming my identity, holy moly. <laughs> yeah, I really do like the idea that this podcast is spontaneous, that it feels like a real conversation that hasn't been rehearsed. So you're really hearing, like, Matthias and Macy and me really sitting here having <laughs> a real conversation. Um, so faith forming your identity. I think when I, when, I, when I look around at the world, <laughs> whatever that means, and I... Uh, watch the way people engage art, culture, history, science, whatever it is, whatever topic we're talking about. Um, I think from a very early age, we're studying the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I was given the language of theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if it's just my, I guess I do identify as an Enneagram 5. But um, so I don't know if it's just my personality or that merging with learning and studying scripture. But I think it gave me a set of resources, especially finally going to seminary and like, you know, studying on that level um, to engage things deeply. So if it's a movie or if it's a news article or uh, I've, I've always found that like my faith has given me language to 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 name deeper things, maybe. Mm. Um and that's what I like to talk about is deep things. <laughs> I have a very hard time with small talk. <laughs> um, and uh, I oftentimes find myself um, kind of, I don't know how to say this non-judgy, because it's not a judgy thing. It's not a judgy thing. Um, confused at how other people that I often encounter don't have that language. It's no fault of their own. I just think sometimes it's, it's just uh, being given a language. I mean, it's almost like if somebody grew up singing in the church. Oftentimes you hear like pop singers say they got that skill from growing up being always singing up front yeah. of the church, kind of improv and all that stuff. And so I think something similar like growing up in a church and just being asked to think deep things, whether or not I agree with the things that I was learning when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised at that answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm literally surprised at that answer. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big thing. There it is. We d- we tackled Matthias's question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> did it. It's a good question, and I, I really do just question. like the idea of having uh, a rhythm to your podcast, like something that everybody knows is going to kick off the and and then to get like a a little um, mosaic of answers. You know, yeah, you could yeah. make a whole episode that's just just people's all answers. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. almost yeah. like it could be a qualitative study. Like mm-hmm. that would be so interesting. Mm-hmm. That would be really interesting. Right. Right. <laughs> Have you done the work? Yeah. yeah. No, I. Yeah, that <laughs> that question came up like 
spontaneous spur of the moment. Mm. Like, because I was, so I was sitting down to do the first ever episode of Queerology two and a half years ago. And I was Jennifer like, Knapp. Jennifer Knapp. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was sitting there about to hop on this call with Jennifer Knapp, who I didn't know at the time. She was like a, a cold contact kind of. Wow. Like, cool. Um, and, and I was like, what am I going to ask her? And then I was like, <laughs> I think I need like a first question that I ask everyone. But I'm like, wow. but I have five minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Come up with something. And, Don't blow it. And so I was just like, <laughs> and, I, and that, that's the question that came out. And awesome. I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I love that. I think that's what's so cool about creativity. Like I was not trained to be creative. So this is like, uh, like as, as a comparison to what I just said, um, I don't think, I think creativity is obviously in all of us, Mm -hmm. but that playful element is what sort of drives creativity. And I do love that we have this like little, um, jingle that you did spontaneously, uh, she was just Macy was just singing like no small thing we'll be right back yeah and um, it's a nice little jingle and now I've used it oftentimes in our little interludes and it sounds it doesn't sound like official but we can make it feel official I know what gets stuck in my head I no small, small thing, thing will be, be right, right back, back. that was like so spontaneous <laughs> and then and then when you keep using it right. it becomes more official or yeah. totally you know just yeah. random yeah. Gosh, I'm impressed by that. I'm impressed by that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, should we do a, should we go take a break and then we come back? No, I, no, I think we go, I mean, we that Jump was right into a journey. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to jump right into Matthias's journey. Cool. Great. So, Always. I mean, we got a little bit of the journey, but now we're going to go deeper. Okay. Yeah. With the intro. So, yeah. yeah, I think we're hoping that you'll tell us just a little bit about uh, what it was like to grow up. I mean, sort of like how you were talking about at the beginning of your book. Mm. Matthias has a book coming out, everybody. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Beyond shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how, what was it like for you to grow up queer in a Christian setting and environment? Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know that there's like an easy, easy answer for that because, I, I you know growing up I didn't really know that I was queer. Like I knew I was attracted to men, but but what I knew was that was a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I talk about it now as as if like there was this the split that started happening of, of where I had to keep my real self hidden. Um, and, uh, and I said, this other kind of personality kind of started taking over. Like it's still here to a point, but like, like big smile and like yeah. kind of hiding behind, like everything's okay. Like that, w- that was the way I presented to the world. And my family very much presented as kind of the, you know, the classic all American white churchy family. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My dad do you have siblings? I did, yeah. I have two sisters, younger. Okay. Yeah, like my dad was an elder at our church, and it, I mean, it was a small church in, in rural Iowa, um, but we, we definitely had that kind of, everything's great mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> appearance, um, which I kept up. Uh, and But was was working with, a, with an amount of shame mm. that was... I was literally, I would almost spend every single night just like begging God to make me quote unquote normal. 
Mm. And I, tons of bullying. Like, I mean, I think no matter what, like when, when <laughs> at least for me, like I, I tend to have more effeminate tendencies mm-hmm. um, as a lot of gay men <laughs> do. Um, and no matter how hard you try to hide that, like yeah. <laughs> you can't really hide it. Like I thought I was doing a great job <laughs> and I was like, I'm so butch. Like <laughs> so mask. I'm doing it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I like came out to my aunt a few years later and she's like, no, I know. <laughs> I like, no, you don't. Like <laughs> I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm a thespian. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I mean, hiding it, Unsuccessfully to the kids around me, yeah. Who in in rural Iowa, like I mean, they they sniffed it out. I don't know if they knew exactly what it was, but like, definitely was was bullied, and mm. uh, so it was hard. It was yeah. Yeah. it was hard, yeah. Uh, and and made doubly hard by kind of the the faith messages of. I, mean, I literally thought that if I were to even name myself as gay that like the work of Satan would be complete in my life and I would like mm. go to hell. Um, Ooh. right. Oh. I'm sorry. It's so messed yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, it was, and of course there were good things and I don't want to like yeah. silver line it. Like, but I mean, it's I always complicated because it, it's it wrapped so up com- in so many wonderful totally. things that like church also is and right. community is exactly. And Ugh. like my parents, like, I mean, I feel like I talk about my parents a lot. I try and try not to talk about my parents a whole lot because they don't love being talked about, but, <laughs> but I, it always feels like I'm, I'm casting them in a negative light and for good reason. Right, like, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Some of it's deserved, but some of it's not deserved too. Like the yeah. sense yeah. of like, they were doing the best that they could um, they didn't know any better. They were working within systems that were telling yeah. them they were doing a good job. Like, um, I mean, all of those things can be true at once. Like they were mm-hmm. good parents and they didn't know what they're doing. And there was a lot of harm and damage and, you know, all of that. We have so, to hold those things in tension. Yeah. 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 Good and bad. Ay, ay, ay. So how long did you keep appearances up with your family? Until, so I, I came out to my parents when I was 15. Okay. Mm. Um, or or the, the better way to say that would be uh, my parents found out when I was 15. Mm. Um, they, had you told somebody else and then they heard? Mm, or? No. Okay. So I hadn't, that's the silly putty. If you <laughs> that. Um, um, no, so up until that point, no one knew. Okay. Or I hadn't told anyone at least. Uh, and... I think my mom suspected a little bit, but I had, so I, I worked at a library and got like my, it was my first job when I was 14 shelving books. And in that job I had discovered, um, the fitness section (laughs) in, in the nonfiction. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Uh Yeah. (laughs) And, and there were definitely some books that had pictures (laughs) of men wearing not a whole lot. And the fitness section. I love back section, in the day right? too. Well, it's not back in the day because I am old. <laughs> I, I'm just like saying I had the internet. Yeah, totally. I didn't have the internet. Right. So like, but but I do think it is funny like how 
kids get creative about how they're going to find the things they're going to find. Yeah. So yeah. resourceful. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. so resourceful. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I found this book called Working Out. That's all it's called. <laughs> this is great. Um, but I mean, it literally, like looking back at it now, like I, I bought a coffee just for good time's sake. Yeah. Um, and, and That's looking good. At Nostalgia's it now, sake. <laughs> like it is a thin veil. For homoerotic photography. Oh, right. It's it's basically a carrier for like. But not labeling it as that, right? Totally. I mean, it was was published in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, it's it's this fairly old book um, that's very clearly now that I can see is like marketed to gay gay men. Like, I mean, covertly. Covertly. And you as a kid just found this and were like, score. Right. No, 100%. (laughs) I was so into it. Wow. Man. And I like I snuck it home with me and hid it under my bed yeah. and you know used my library privileges to never return it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one day my mom randomly decided to clean my room and she mm. found it. Wow. Um, and I think things clicked wow. for her. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and she called me down to the kitchen and asked me like, "Do you have this? like the book was on the table?" And she's like, "Do you have this book because you're interested in getting fit or because you like the pictures?" And hmm. I was honest with her. Yeah. I said, like, I have it because I, I really like the pictures. Mm, <laughs> <And> <laughs> wow. I, I, I do feel like that speaks to a little bit of your relationship with your mom, that you felt comfortable in that moment, mm-hmm. just being honest with her. Totally. Least. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she gave me a big hug Aww. and uh, was like, well, like, we'll figure this out. Like, yeah. I, I knew, I like, we there was very much this sense of, like, there's something terribly wrong. Right. But it but wasn't, yeah, it yeah. wasn't like a... It was like you guys, you maybe felt with them in it and like, yeah. let's fight this. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. 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 Which is Gosh, messed up, really but also slightly sweet in a way just to have that connection with your parents. But yeah. Totally. And probably at that time you were like on their side. You're like, yeah, we're going to fight this. You 100%. Know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's yeah. so messed was, up too, but you yeah. were 15. Right. It was yeah. 15. It was the height of the X game movement. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was when I mean Exodus was going strong, focus on the family, like their love, Oof. their love one out campaign, like all of that stuff was like those were the years that those were like at the peak of yeah. kind of. So that message was already permeating, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like the homosexuals can change, mm-hmm. and we all believed it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's not true. So stressful <laughs> to think about. Yeah, that but, is um, okay, so so then at what point did you feel did you feel the strength essentially or the to the gumption <laughs> to to say, Oh, I'm not trying to get cured. This is actually who I am and that's fine. Yeah, it took me years. Yeah. Um I mean, that in itself was a journey. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because I have to have a, I have to know, like, I have to know or think I know so much before I make a choice mm. <laughs> about yeah. anything. Sounds very five like, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and so I, I stayed in that kind of sense of, I'm going to change this. Uh, up until I went to undergrad. Mm. Uh, and then literally, I, so I went to a small Christian undergraduate school. Uh, Where? In Arkansas, John Brown. University. Oh, interesting, John yeah. Brown. Mm-hmm. And got there and knew that they had a counseling center. Yeah. Mm. And 
Oh, let me just ask. So, so in between mm-hmm. fifteen and now, yeah, that t- that time you're sort of just being like, "This is my weird dark secret, and I don't totally. talk about it." And right, yeah, like my my parents knew. Yeah, I think they might have talked to our pastor. Yeah, I talked to one other person about it. Yeah, um, the person, the the woman who I thought I was going to marry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> to fix you. <laughs> That's the whole story. <laughs> um, but but that was it. And, yeah. and it was kind of, and even like my parents and I, we didn't talk about it much. Mm-hmm. Like those yeah. conversations were so uncomfortable. Oh, and <laughs> like who wants to talk about sex and sexuality with their parents, let alone like the super forbidden desires. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Okay. And I do want to say, I don't want to say that our experience is similar in any way, but we are sort of in the category about, sexual shame mm-hmm. through Christianity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and so like, I don't have this yep. experience, but I definitely had the experience of your feelings that you're experiencing in your body are wrong. Totally. And so that it, I had similar experiences of hiding or, I mean, even the bringing something home. Like I do remember my friend had a brother that had playboys up in his room. We right. all knew it. And I remember ripping out pages and bringing it home and yeah. just being like, I got these treasures now <laughs> here at the house, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. like, also felt sinful. Yeah. Also, would have been horrified if anybody would have found mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, had nobody would have said, at the very least, whether or not you could say like it's really good for a teenage boy to be looking at porn. That's not the point. The right. point was like nobody was around to say, at the very least, these feelings you're feeling are natural and normal. Mm-hmm. I felt, I felt sinful. I felt like I'm totally indulging in something that's terrible and wrong and. Oh, it's so, it's so sad in it's so many ways. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, especially now knowing like it doesn't have to be that way. I know. So right? I'm just saying like, this to my wife even today, listening to your podcast. I was just mm-hmm. like, gosh, sometimes I get so angry thinking about mm-hmm. my teenage years because so many sweet things that were happening were twisted into something really evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is just so sweet and innocent. These things that were happening, totally. so natural, normal, and sweet. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Natural, right. normal, and God given. Natural, yeah. normal, yeah. sweet. Yeah. That's what Deb Thomas are. Well, yeah. Deb Thomas works with Tina, so that Deb Thomas mm. came and did stuff at our church with Tina. Oh. Um, Tina yeah. wrote the forward to Matthias's book, everybody. Yes. <laughs> and would say these things to the kids, which I was like, oh, I had nobody saying this to me when I was growing no, up oh, in absolutely church. Absolutely not. Yeah. Sex being God given. Yeah. And maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a very specific context. Yeah. In a very, Deb, Deb was explaining, <laughs> very boundary and regulated. Deb was explaining. Uh, the 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 rhythms the difference in the rhythms of of women female and male orgasms <laughs> with charts to our fourteen year olds I was like this is genius I had nothing like this so important yeah. it was very good and helpful and I think very empowering for yeah. all the females in the room oh, yeah good. yeah it was it was I mean yes. and Deb especially as a female is just really kind of going to town on the men being like you got to know this. Uh-huh. About the women, folks, you know. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so, yeah, so, so, in that season, you were just kind of trying to keep it under wraps, yeah, and then got to college, right? And then got to yeah. college, and can't hide it any longer. Well, Christian college, though. Christian college, yeah. yeah. Tried to, so I, I knew there was this counseling center, and filled out this intake and I, I literally said like I want to change my sexual orientation mm-hmm. like that that's why I went in mm-hmm. and I, I I call this God's grace I mean we can use whatever language we want for it but I think truly by the grace of God um, 
somehow got matched with this therapist who like he has worked in this world for Mm -hmm. most of his career and has realized sexual orientation doesn't change. Okay. And yep. so <laughs> I a person that believes in right. science. So and at research this like conservative Christian college in Arkansas, I get matched with this therapist where I literally am asking for conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Like point blank. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and he says, sexual orientation doesn't change. Um he like and he said, unless it's a miracle from God. He's mm-hmm. like, but we can't count on that. <laughs> I love too that he's probably doing this um like that, first of all, nobody at the college could ever get to know what's actually happening in those sessions appropriately. Right. But um, well, yeah. probably <laughs> that messaging would not have been approved by the campus, I would imagine. You know, I honestly, I think with, with where JBU was and, and still is at this time, I think it would, would okay, be approved cool. knowing what they believe about sexuality. Like they're not. Snaps to that college. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're conservative, <laughs> but they're not ignorant. Okay. Right? Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're not. Um, JBU does a decent job. They're not affirming by any means, okay. <laughs> but they're not as bad as some other places. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so he, so he said in our first session, like he's like our work, he's like, I'm more interested in the question of how do we live as faithful Christ followers with this as a reality mm. that this may not change. Um, so mm. that was like the first revelation. Nice little start. A next level to your thinking. Like, totally. Huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That like, and I mean that f- even hearing that was like a weight was off my mm. shoulders. Like I didn't even know I was carrying, but this sense like it, it felt so like true. I, I don't have to go to this battle to fight this crazy thing inside of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For him to say like, it doesn't change. And me being like, Oh, I've known that my entire life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I've been yeah. trying to change this for this whole time. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, Right. And then he's like, and he's like, well, you never chose this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like the whole narrative at that point was kind of like, you must have chosen it at some point. Like, yeah. even if right. you aren't right. yeah. oh, it's cognizant so of messed it. Up. Mm. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it was kind of the interpretations of Romans one that we were reading mm. that I was being given at the time of, of like this sense of like, at some point <laughs> something happened and you chose this. Um, and and this therapist was like, no, you, you didn't choose this either. Because of this, God gave them over to the <laughs> sinful desires of their flesh. Right. Men exchange unnatural relations with men. Yep. Oh Whatever that means. God. Whatever that you means. You know, looking right. about me, layers of meaning we've placed over that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was significant, yeah. that first day of therapy. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet, yeah. And I worked with him for a year. Hmm. Mm. And that was kind of really the the opening of the doors to then start slowly looking at my theology, <laughs> and slow, like I I started thinking like, I mean, so he and the school were really pushing me towards celibacy, but yeah, I I as I read scripture felt like I mean the scripture always talks about these vows of celibacy and mm-hmm. and for me it's like a vow seems like a pretty serious thing to be making at nineteen years old yeah. Like, and and yeah. so it gave me this permission to then start looking like, well, if I'm going to take a vow of celibacy, I at least need to know what other people are saying about this. Like, yeah. Because yeah. I heard rumors of these mm-hmm. other Christians. These people out there. So-called Christians, anyway, <laughs> who <laughs> believe that you could be gay and Christian. And, of course, I thought they were heretics. But I was like, <gasps> yeah, I should at least... 
I should at least hear them out. Hear them out. Hey, that's good. And and then <laughs> I mean, it took me four years, I think, mm-hmm. from that point to actually be to feel convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was. I mean, it took a long time, but ultimately yeah. arrived at the point where I was like, you know what, like, <laughs> I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's been interesting over the years as a youth pastor. I've had many people come out to me, and I've been the first one. And I, I mean, I, I up until maybe ten years ago, would have probably said it was a sin, mm-hmm. even though in my heart I wouldn't have wanted it to be. Right, right. But I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm um, obliged to totally. say it's a sin because I follow scripture, you know. Um, but then. Once I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't want to sound condescending on this podcast, but like once I was actually able to understand scripture <laughs> for what it says, uh, <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was released from that. So then I was eager to like <laughs> affirm people when they would come out to me. Right. But I noticed the first time I tried to do that, how stressful it was to this mm. person because they were in the same place. Like I'm telling you this and kind of expecting me to be like, oh, we got, we're, we're going to solve this. It's a right. problem. And I was like, oh, hey, this is great. And, and. You, you can live this life and this is a valid way of being. And the person would be like, oh, I'm not there yet. Right. Thanks mm-hmm. for telling me that, but I've got a lot of processing. I'm like, okay, well, that's nice too. I'm not going to pressure you. Right. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. But even in the conversation, I'd be like, oh, oh, I got to switch modes here because I was so excited. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm in a place where I can affirm you now. It's so exciting. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, 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 but I'm, it's a sin. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you know. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. through this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a delicate conversation yeah 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 right yeah you have to you have to meet people where they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah okay so then so then you know you're like 24 ish 25 ish when oh, it was like fairly recent i guess then yeah it was 20 well I when mean, you I, became so fully like this fully is okay af- right yeah so i came out before i was fully this yeah. is okay so okay. i came out when i was 23 okay yeah came out when i was 23 and then what did coming out like entail for you? Who were you coming out to? It so at, at that point, so since count, like that, I saw that therapist my freshman year. The mm-hmm. next four years, I started telling more and more people. By the time I graduated, most people in my life knew. Okay. Um, and so, so coming out when I when I say like I came out, like it was more kind of like the final announcement. Like yeah. it was the blog post. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when blogs were a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, so the, the big blog post dropped okay. when I was 23. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was just kind of to like inform like the, the, the few people who. The fray. Right. Let the, let make it's out for everyone to totally. have heard. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it seems like it's, Almost more for you than them. It's like it's totally. out, uh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. If like if you don't have to explain yourself again to anyone, right? Yeah, yeah. It Read the blog post. So yep. Don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's how I feel now. That yeah. I have the gender episode out. I'm like, all right, the people have this <laughs> now. Like, yeah, and I posted about, about it yesterday, oh and people were like, "Explain this to me." Explain. I've literally been like. Listen to the episode. Listen to it. We did it. Yeah. No, literally. Yeah. I feel the same when people are like, well, tell me about this. I'm like, I literally made an entire podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about other things. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it wasn't until I was, I mean, it was a year, year and a half later that I really was like, okay, I think I'm comfortable dating. Yeah. Mm. Uh, When I came out, I, I kind of, 
I can't remember if I said that I was celibate, but heavily implied, like mm-hmm. I'm not dating. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was asking the questions of like, is this okay? Um, but yeah, it wasn't until a year, year and a half later that I was really comfortable with like, okay, mm. I think I'm open to trying to date. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been probably 24 ish. Did you date girls in the meantime? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would have felt so awkward, you know? Well, some people yeah. do. Some yeah. people do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, I mean, I'm, everything I say, I know. I mean, I'm going to let myself sound silly. <laughs> I'm going to just let it because I don't need to protect my ego or my image. That's the least important thing in the midst of these conversations. But I can't, I can't imagine no. trying to pretend to be interested in men. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that would have been so <laughs> stressful. But I know that was me trying yeah. to pretend yeah. I was interested said, right? in right? boys. Like making up <laughs> like, crushes. Wait, what am I doing? Yeah, making up yeah. unattainable crushes. Yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah, literally, yeah. like when I was an undergrad, I was so careful around it because just because of some experiences I had where I had inadvertently broken some hearts. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because they clearly couldn't see what was right in front of them. <laughs> right, right, right. But like, And you are it, such a lovely person. You know, it's <laughs> supposed to be like, oh, we had such a connection. We totally. talked, you listened. You responded to my yeah. Facebook message. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would, I would literally in undergrad, like I remember... I think this happened two or three times whenever there would be a school dance. Yeah. And I was never asking girls to go dance with me. So like right. sometimes girls would ask me. And the first thing I would say is like, or like pull them aside and be like, thank you so much for like inviting me. Oh, like so I would love this. Like I would love to go to the dance with you, but like I'm gay. Oh, <laughs> like, so now so you kind of just, and just like secret out told them. Cause yeah. I was like, you can't like, post. this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if you don't know this, it's going to be a terrible night. Like, and who knows? Like, and it's whatever, nice too because <laughs> it's it's just saying this isn't about you. Yeah, it's like really, this is just really what. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like, yeah, let's go have fun. We can yeah. coordinate outfits. But like. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow! <laughs> Holy smokes! <laughs> you know the funny thing is, is I I am such I am significantly older than the two of you too. So some of this sure. stuff feels so. I mean, I'm so privilege to hear these stories and to learn from you two and others and um and then i'm also just struck by how fresh this is for the both of you in so many mm. ways mm. you know true um, yeah i think and it, exciting exciting and fresh i think there's an aspect of being queer that often and this isn't the case for everyone but like it prolongs when you st- can start dating and having relationships and things like that because mm-hmm. you have to confront this thing and you have to come to terms with it often before you can, like at least for me, before I could engage with it. Yeah. 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 You know the trippy thing? Maybe this can, I want the final word, everybody. So this is going to be the final word. I'm kidding. But um, for this section, a thought about maybe as somebody that is, has been a youth pastor now for almost 20 years and was probably teaching a certain way for 10 years and then, pretty much switched after 10 years of that. and um, But also having grown up in the church, this really very strange, because that's what I say. I've been saying this a lot lately, talking about this gender stuff, because the gender thing in particular, beyond homosexuality and what LGBTQ and all that, is a, is a fairly new topic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the very strange thing to think about is that the impulse, and I believe this in people, your parents, fine parents, other people out there, good, good, well-intentioned people, think they're protecting you. Right. And what they want, and what the messaging to us kids growing up in the church growing up was, we want you to have the best sex possible. We want you to have a healthy, whole life. So that's what they're trying to preserve. Totally. And then when I, t- and then and then when you talk to people, or you look at science, or you look at the statistics, you actually listen. Mm-hmm. Um, Macy coming out gender queer. This is the thing that we're trying to have. We're and, and it's obvious on the surface when you're talking to the person. Healthier, more whole, mm-hmm. better, um, more at peace. These are the things we're wanting. Right. You know, but you, you, it's so, and this is like, you want to just, you want to grab someone and be like, we want the same thing. Yeah. You know, like you want a whole healthy person with a thriving sex life. And you think for some reason that this is the way to get it. But, um, you can tell in somebody's affect and the way they're living their life that they're in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. And that's just been so obvious talking to you. Like mm-hmm. this has been healthy and good and whole. And it's like. Not like uh, oh, all your problems just appear all of a sudden, but nope, um, right. but you know, multiplied. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the time being, for the time being, <laughs> discrimination is real, yeah. everybody. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. Or, or but, but um, yeah, I, I want to tell parents that to certain extent. Like, look, like, yeah, like this. You want to help the whole person? this thing that you think is maybe like a really scary thing. It's only scary because society has made you think that th- what this is is something to be that is without, like, within, not within the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but it's no actually sight. a really wonderful thing, and, like, to yeah. embrace it will, yeah. Yeah, and as a boundaries. friend, I get to celebrate that with you. I get to watch it and be like, wow, this is so amazing. Right. It is so crazy to think that, like, on, like, the first week of Macy being out with their partner... Extreme discrimination. I was just like, what? And this is something I don't ever experience. Yeah. Being out in public holding your girlfriend's hand led to something. And we can tell that story in another episode someday. But like I was like, oh my gosh, I don't experience this ever. Yeah. Out out in the world holding hands with my wife. Everybody loves it, celebrates it, cheers it on. Yeah. All right. So so that was the end. (laughs) That's Matthias's journey. In a nutshell, we covered it, it entirely. Is. Everything you've ever needed to know about Matthias' journey. I know the, the journey element is always a little unsatisfying, but that was very well, good. Well, your journey and then up until our next segment will be what's going on now. So where well, are you how at the now? podcast got started, maybe going to Seattle school. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it is kind of an extension of the journey. We take breaks. Yeah. Great. When we come back, uh, Matthias has a podcast. Matthias wrote a book. Mm. Matthias went to Seattle school. Matthias is a therapist. We're talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll interject some thoughts, (laughs) (laughs) as usual, (laughs) when we come back. Hey, everybody. This is Scott interrupting this episode to give you one easy option for supporting the podcast. Sure, you can give us a rating and review on iTunes. Sure, you can support us on Patreon. But one very simple thing you can do is promote No Small Thing on your Instagram stories. Either share a picture of us from our Insta account and give us a little shout out or screenshot this current episode you're listening to and recommend it in your stories. If you tag us, we can share it in our stories too. Pretty simple stuff, but if we have 500 people all posting about us in their stories, you can imagine how effective that would be. Anyways, we really appreciate you listening. I hope you're liking this conversation with Matthias. And if you have time, 
post about us in your Instagram stories. Okay, thanks everybody. Now back to the episode. I don't know what happened. We, now we are back. We Actually, had to we pour really another. Uh, we're back, everybody. We're because <laughs> yeah, I, I needed more. Yeah, we <laughs> needed another more was. more drinks. Um, so next, we're going to hear from Matthias about the next stage. So everybody, Matthias is twenty eight. Right now in the journey. Side note: in the background, there's some really great opera music going on. You won't <laughs> be able to hear it Ruben on the room. mic, I think. But like, that's what Reuven does, everybody. Reuven very good. Probably will come out and read a poem in a little bit. Yeah, as part of this episode. Yeah, oh, we, had the, we 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 can hear opera music. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're essentially in, in terms of the journey, we're at about twenty three, twenty four. Mm-hmm. So I have it's just like it's, a lot of things. If it just happened in three or four years, now one of the things Macy and I talk about in terms of enneagram is like three sevens and eights being in the assertive stance. Mm-hmm. So the fact that yeah. you've done so much I feel like in the last four years is an assertive thing I feel like just in terms of like going to school you know graduating getting your master starting a practice starting a podcast all the things you've done yeah it's pretty mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. I'm like doing the math in my head because I'm like <laughs> like it's been five what? years since I've lived in five Seattle years. so it's my timing yeah off. 23 22 yeah, so that's it about been 22 23 yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess yeah. so everybody I, I, nobody will notice but you can look it up the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. This is a interesting school for me because I have many friends that went there. It's a, it's a, you can get a master's degree in therapy or theology. It's a great school. And to me, for my, for in, in terms of like being sort of in its orbit here in Seattle, in terms of like the Christian landscape, it was a brand new sort of progressive way of talking about Christianity and I had several friends that went there and and had their lives altered yeah. and I got some of that juice so to speak by proxy mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, I, I don't want to use this word lightly but sort of violent like mm-hmm. these people had their lives changed and they'd bring right. it back to our relationships and we'd be like what the heck are you talking about mm. you know uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah. now, now I now I now having been in its orbit for so long, I'm like, oh yeah, this is Seattle school. I right. know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but at the time, I was like, we're, yeah, we're all being changed. So it's cool to know that it's still here doing good things. I think like Seattle school. Um, yeah. But but I'm curious to think how you in sort of like would you say the South or the Midwest? Where I, you from? I say both. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I grew up in the Midwest and went to school in the South. So, how yeah. did you yeah. hear about Seattle school? Yeah, so this is a story. Yeah. yeah how many stories do you want? Like, we want all the stories. Do you want like the full story? Yeah. Because <laughs> certain people would be listening. If I was listening, I'd, like, I'd Google it. I'd look up Seattle school. I'd look up, you know, uh, people so, people that like this sort of stuff yeah. are here for it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, my, my freshman year, so yeah. right around the time that I was starting therapy, yeah. uh, I... One of my friends who was an English major, no, English minor. Okay. So I, I majored in graphic design mm. and oh, photography. Really? Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That was my whole life school, was to be a graphic designer. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and so a friend of mine who was in the design department, but an English minor, 
somehow stumbled across this thesis that someone had written uh, called Why Are You Apologizing for Bleeding? Mm. And it was a... Right? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, And it it was a feminist critique of the evangelical embrace of the Twilight series, which Mm -hmm. was... Oh, feminist Mm. critique of the evangelical embrace of the Twilight series. Yes. Because some branches, not the the evangelicalism that I was a part of, but apparently some branches of the evangelical church and the Mormon church had really embraced the Twilight book series because of their heavy... Emphasis on abstinence. Yeah, it's like right. a whole metaphor for Isn't it so interesting? Right. Yeah. And people love that series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so Why <laughs> was it so popular? Edward. And Well, that that's a side note of your journey oh, is kind of getting a big crush on Kristen. Big crush on Kristen yeah. Stewart. I mean, she's hot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> like my gosh. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so this thesis, why are you, why are you apologizing for bleeding? Hmm. And you were like 19. At the yeah, point. we're wow. like 18. Yeah. We're freshmen. Yeah. So somehow he reads this hmm. and then some, somehow he gives it to me and I was like, <laughs> you should read this. And I was like, okay, I'll like sit down and read this 60 page master's thesis. Wow. From, that's like, so cool. Well, like who does that? But it's kind of a life or death and, thing. You're thinking like, this is important for me. To well, read. It, yeah. And it was fascinating. Yeah. yeah it's like, a really interesting. I mean, title. It was so interesting because I was all about the, like, let's critique. <laughs> yeah, let's critique everything. Let's find. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why and is everybody it, going along with this? Totally. Yeah. And it was, it was so compelling. And, mm-hmm. And it was obviously written from a theological perspective. Yeah. And so it's like, what school? <laughs> Where is this? Let's their students write this kind of thing as like their master's level thesis for a theological degree. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I thought, I mean, thought it was innovative, beautiful work, but it was so far outside of the context that I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, what is this place? And so I saw it was what, what is now the Seattle school. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a different name back then, but Morris Hill. That was very confusing here so in Seattle. So crazy that yeah. it's called Morris Hill. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a whole other re- story someday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that was my first brush with the Seattle School, and I remember looking at their website and thinking, someday I want to go here. Mm. Wow. Um, but I was like, but like, when would I ever have the chance to do this? Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a designer <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. but it, it always, it kind of stayed in the back of my head. And, and as I went through undergrad and, and realized how much I just genuinely loved academia, mm-hmm. like genuinely loved doing academic work. Um, and some of my professors were like, you should, you really should strongly consider going on to grad mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, the Seattle School launched, like, they changed their name, and they launched this new program in Theology, Imagination, and the Arts. Ooh, Oof. great and title. And I was like, that's, like, everything I love. Mm-hmm. Like, I love theology. Mm-hmm. Who knows what imagination means? Like, how do you get a, how do you get a degree in that? But, Just like, that's sounds nice. intriguing. It's like an amazing. And, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and then, like, and the arts. Um, and I'm like, like I'm, I'm a designer. Like, I, so... <sighs> I, I applied to the school, um, 
then actually ended up getting offered my dream job at a design agency in Arkansas. Um, wow. And That's a side note. Didn't know about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and, oh, I, I, and I ended up taking that job. Okay. Woo. Um, yeah. So I, 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 and thought I, like, I thought I was closing the door on the Seattle school, hmm. Hmm. um, legitimately. And, and right at the last minute, like I, I checked the like defer my enrollment for a year instead of the like no box. Um, but genuinely was like, I'm, I am like, I, I have my dream, dream job. job. Like <laughs> I'm, I've made it. Like it, it was a job that I thought that I would maybe, I could maybe qualify for mm. 10 years mm. out of school mm. and w- went in and interviewed for like a, a junior level position on the company and they then offered me a much higher position. Wow. It was was a whole thing. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was so cool. And my, 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 my parents were like, you're taking this job. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, buddy. <laughs> you just paid for four years of school. Right. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I mean, I don't know how long, a few things happened and blah, 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 blah. And I ended up choosing to go to the Seattle school. Hmm. On the next a year, year later. A year later. Yeah. When the, when the deferment, was up and I kind of had to make that choice. Hmm. I initially told them, no, like I'm saying here. And then, um, literally saw So our, our company Facebook page, our social media director posted on the Facebook page, just a little, little meme quote that was like, if you don't like the direction you're going in your life, change it. And like, I sat there at wow. my desk and was like, it was the afternoon that applications were due or my decision was due. Wow. And I was like, I have to go. You got to do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Good for you. Well, yeah, the assertive type. I don't know. It's something. He just did yeah, it. Yeah, I something. think that's. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it ultimately was the right decision. Like the company kind of imploded right huh. after I left huh. and hmm. like no one works there anymore. And oh, like, I mean, it was like a, it was a whole thing. I got out at the right time. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm so glad hmm. that I did. Yeah. So I, I picked up everything and moved here. So what was it like studying theology, imagination, and the arts? <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds right? like so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but did you, so was that your initial track, but then what? Then you obviously switched to therapy. I did both. Whoa, holy smokes. Yeah, I did You're two. just like a high-functioning person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I did two masters. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Because I because that's the thing is like, well, no, I mean, this is the thing that my journey is like, like embracing that I have. We're all smart in our own way, but like embracing that I feel intelligent. I guess I'd say, but like I've never been good at school, mm. and I do have a master's degree, but like school, even in that level, was not easy. Totally, you process you know? things in a way that's not necessarily like good for the school format, and you're in like yeah. your own timeline. Right. I'm in my own timeline, <laughs> folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work in a short amount of time. <laughs> Two master's degrees. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so I went in like counseling. I mean, at that point, counseling was not on my radar mm-hmm. at okay. all. In fact, I had figured out ways to get out of my counseling classes in undergrad mm-hmm. because I thought I wouldn't need them. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, looking back, <laughs> I'm like, graphic design is psychology. Like, yeah. Wow. Like, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, who needs this? Like, Freud? Like, stupid. Um, <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah. And so counseling didn't come along for another mm-hmm. year or two. Okay. Uh, when I then I added that degree on and um, 
yeah, then kind of did them simultaneously, almost. Like, I, yeah. I graduated one one year and then finished the next the next year. Um, so you, just, you must have graduated fairly recently. Yeah, I finished the, the counseling degree a year and a half ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so so let's now now we really are at the podcast element. Yeah. Like so, so when when did, were you still in graduate school when you started that? Okay. Yeah. So what was the impetus? Like what was the? Yeah. I guess that's what we do now. It's the new blog. It is. So you're like, right. I'm gonna start a podcast. Right. And yeah. that I mean that that was kind of the impetus. Yeah. So I um, I mean the short story is I I actually so I had been blogging. Yeah. Okay. I started a blog. Like it came out on my blog and then didn't write anything, but then, um several months later, kind of launched this whole blog uh, around faith and sexuality mm-hmm. and just trying to tell my story and, and kept that up semi-consistently mm. up until um, like my second year of school. And then I went through a significant breakup um, that... So, so Suzanne Sabil talks about if we're forever going to talk about the Enneagram in this episode. We will. But I, I, I identify as a seven. <laughs> and um, Don't like I, that pain. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Suzanne Sabil talks about how for some sevens, um, or for most sevens, like there'll be a time where you can't escape your pain anymore. Yeah. Which is so good for you. Right. Yeah. And, but then at that point, the floodgates open and all the pain that you have yeah. never processed Oof. comes flooding in. Oof. She talks about this with sevens yes. all the time. And right. I'm like, Oof, this I think because her son's totally. a seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was that moment for me. Mm-hmm. Like when I heard Suzanne say that a few years later, I was like, oh, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the, I mean, the breakup was hard. Yeah. Like I, I really loved this guy, yeah. but it, but like the amount of pain that came from it wasn't quite proportional to what the breakup was. Yeah. If right. that makes sense. Yeah. It does totally. make total sense. Yeah. Um, so I was a mess, like, mm. and I stopped blogging. And you're you're up I, here in Seattle. I'm up here in Seattle. Yeah. I'm in school, so basically all my energy is going to like either laying in bed crying or oh. trying to write my papers. Oh, <laughs> which oh. that's a hard. That's a hard, that's a hard thing hard. to vacillate between. <laughs> <Yeah>. Totally. <laughs> um, and so that put everything on pause, and it took me a while uh, to recover from that. And, yeah. and as I started kind of regaining some capacity to do more external work because I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very clear that blogs were dying. Yeah. And I was like, do I want to go back to blogging or do you want to, do I want to try something else? And I had a few friends who, who were like, well, like you've met all these cool people. What if you were to do a podcast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, no, like I don't, I don't, like that doesn't sound like fun <laughs> to me. Like I, I had literally no desire. My friend Kevin was doing a podcast at the time and I was like, I don't want to step on Kevin's toes. Like, yeah. Oh, isn't that a funny thought? Totally. Right. Too, yeah. yeah. Because like Kevin, I mean, Kevin and I work in the same spaces. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, it'd almost be like the exact same podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this Kevin Garcia? You're this talking Kevin about? Garcia, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I talked to Kevin about it. I'm like, I might start a podcast. And Kevin was like, do it. <laughs> yeah, he was like encouraging. Why not? Right, me. totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I said that to my therapist one day. It was the weirdest conversation. I was like, my therapist <laughs> is also from the Seattle school. But he was like, you would be a good therapist. He said that to me. And I was like, the weirdest thought, just the moment you said that, right. is I was like, well, then I'd be competing with Jason. <laughs> and then I feel bad. And he's like, what do you mean competing? I'm like, what are you talking about? Do you think totally. there's not people enough in this city 
Right. Any more we're like competing we're with like, him yes. as a therapist. I don't totally. know what, what weird thought comes into my head, but I'm like, I don't want to compete with Jason. Yeah, we're oh, really not yeah. going to compete. Twenty thousand people moving here a yeah. month. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. And you're like podcast. <laughs> I don't want to compete with Kevin. I don't want. You know. It's like right. well, we can't, there's space for both of us. Yeah. Both yeah. So I mean, it took me a while, but ultimately, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I mean, I could make it as easy as I. "Quote unquote easy." I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is work, everybody. Right. It's like a lot I, of had, work. I had literally no idea yeah. what it would take, but I was like, "Oh, it could be super easy." Like mm-hmm. I could like not edit much. Like blah blah blah. blah. Um, I mean, I was I was in for a huge learning experience, mm-hmm. but that's how that's how it came about. Yeah. Wow. After, after the breakup, and then how did you, now? I'm just curious about like, uh, how did you get Jennifer Knapp? <laughs> That's the first episode. Yeah. So, anybody listening, I mean, Jennifer Knapp was also sort of an evangelical Christian music hero. I mean, she up, was, but, we, but was yeah. not out at the time. No, she wasn't out at the time. Yeah. But she was like the darling, totally, of mm-hmm. the Christian Honestly, music she, I mean, industry. I, I, I think it's appropriate to say this for Macy's sake, so, so you understand Jennifer Knapp, because I'm assuming you don't know Jennifer. <laughs> I don't know Jennifer Knapp. Okay. I mean, it's, Jennifer Knapp. Ev- at the time I was growing up, every Christian musician was billed as like the Christian version of mm-hmm. Christian version of blah, blah, blah. The right. Christian version of Puff Daddy, the Christian version of Nirvana. Yeah. You know, totally. like DC talk was like the Christian version of Nirvana. Right. They were like, there were the yeah. little guides. I remember the little yeah. guides in the store of like, if you like, guides. if you like Britney weird? Spears, yeah. Here's the you'll Christian love Zoe girl. Yeah. yeah. Like. <laughs> yep. And I would have said Jennifer Knapp was probably the Christian version of, um, oh my gosh. The name is slipping me. Who's who's the woman we love? Alanis Morissette. That, oh. that that is one. That is one for sure. But no. Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple. Uh, yeah, the Christian version of That's Fiona Apple. Yeah. And and I and I, Alanis Morissette is probably more on. But Fiona Apple is the first person that came to mind. Oh, I can mm-hmm. now picture this. I need to yeah. listen. I need to go look her up. Go yeah. listen to Jen. She's incredibly talented, mm-hmm. and I think some of what made her career so big was that she also didn't quite fully play the, the CCM game. Yeah, like she but. actually made unique music, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which then I mean gave her Grammy nominations, and she won so, so many awards. Still like I mean, fan. she was like I mean she she was the star. She's successful. Would yeah. I know a yeah. song? Probably. I don't think so. Oh, well, maybe, I, I, I guess Macy I didn't know. grow up in the it, like Christian evangelical world, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Jen came about like Jen literally was a, a cold contact, like mm. wow, and, um, and like she's one of my dearest friends now. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah, um, and, and we laugh about it now because she was like, she was like, I thought you were like someone legit. She's like, you didn't tell me. <laughs> I was just a, 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 like, <laughs> a, a nobody. But it was just the yeah. very start and you were, yeah. Totally. This she's podcast. Like, she's like, you sounded so professional. She's like, I had no idea this was your first ever interview <laughs> ever. <laughs> it is so funny because when you talk about, I do feel oh, somewhat like, um, Anytime we say we have a podcast, I feel sort of professional. I don't know what that means. And then, like, if right. only you people knew. Look, we have this weird, janky little box and these, like, weird microphone foamies. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, meanwhile, I'm sitting in my closet. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Hello, Jennifer Knapp. <laughs> How do you this? identify? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, so good. Goodness. So, so what was – here's a question. Somebody, obviously, that has a podcast you're on, uh, uh, what was – 
what was it like for you to release that first episode and sort of become official and put mm-hmm. yourself out there? Yeah, I had no idea what I was getting, what I was getting yeah. into. Like, so I kind of like built up the hype a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I had a small following from doing the them blogging, over from the right? And so, I, but I literally had no idea what to expect. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm starting this podcast. I was like, I'll be happy. I think, I think I was like, I'll be happy if like 50 people listen to the first episode. Yeah. Yep, that felt great, relatable, to me. totally. <laughs> Um, and so, and I, and again, I didn't know what I was doing. Like it was all an experiment. Like, in fact, like the, I had set a release date and didn't realize that iTunes has an indefinite amount of approval process for, like they don't tell you how long it's going to take. I remember that stage. Right. Mm -hmm. We were like, what is happening? It can take anywhere from like two days to three weeks. Yeah. And you don't, you just don't know. Yeah. I didn't know that. So I'm like, I'm releasing my podcast on like May 20th or something. And I like thankfully iTunes approved it at like 4 p.m. on May 20th. Oh, cool! <laughs> wow. Like That's all nice. of May 20th, I was like, I uh, promise this podcast uh, is like, not out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can't do anything about it. Like, um, it's just like in the ethers. Just totally. not out there, though. <laughs> it is funny though, in even that short amount of time, how like the 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 epicenter has sort of shifted from iTunes to many other platforms mm-hmm. now. But I do right. remember that was like, if we're not on iTunes, we're not official. Totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, and it was so exciting. Like, the initial response was just thrilling. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I started realizing, like, oh, like, I might I might actually be onto something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and... Which you were. Turns out I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for people who maybe don't know what Queerology is, mm-hmm. how would you explain Queerology as a podcast? Yeah. Good question. That is a good question. Because um, it is a very niche... In a way. So, uh, I mean, I call it a podcast on belief in being, which is almost modeled after, um, I don't know if anyone listens to On Being by Krista Tippett, Mm -hmm. um, which is a a faith and spirituality podcast where you just kind of have really, she has really deep conversations around faith. That was Um, the first time I heard about Podrick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I I really kind of liked that format of where... (sighs) it just felt like people were kind of talking to each other. Krista, mm-hmm. I mean, is such a gifted interviewer, but um, I really wanted my podcast to kind of have this this feel of here are really cool people that are doing really neat things in the world who almost all of them, like I was very kind of clear on, I, I pretty much only want to interview queer people yeah. who identify as being of faith in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah. Um, it's it's mostly bad and Christian because that's my context. Um, but and and have conversations about like real life. Cause mm-hmm. up until that point, most of the conversation in the queer Christian movement had centered around is this okay? Mm-hmm. Like is, is it okay mm-hmm. to be gay and Christian? Yeah. Is it okay We've to moved be kind of beyond that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, we can and celebrate and, these stories and these yeah. people, right? And I was like, I like it's such an important question, so important. But for all of us who have moved beyond that question, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how do we live life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do, like, and and like, let's look at the people who are living their lives and and talk about things like where queerness is a part of it. But then, like, we're going to go in so many other directions that right. may have absolutely nothing to do with our queerness, but also everything to yeah. do with mm-hmm. the fact that we are embodied as queer people in this world living out our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that was really the the hope of the show, mm-hmm. is the hope of the show. Yeah. Like, um, 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's such a good podcast. Thank you. I love it. It is. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I've learned so much just mm-hmm. listening. Just hearing people's stories is so important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really yeah. powerful. Yeah, yeah. And you put them all on their toes from the very beginning yes. with that yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even thinking about this idea of the Christian element, I mean, the 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 types of people that you get on this podcast, it's a very sort of ecumenical vibe in mm-hmm. the sense that it's like a Catholic, an Episcopal, a Methodist. Right. I mean, every, everybody is invited mm-hmm. um, to share. And that's been pretty cool because everybody brings their own. I think one of the things that's been very interesting to me to hear is the, I don't know if this is the right word, but uh, the loyalty mm. that people have to their traditions and right. and denominations and stuff like that in totally. a really sweet and beautiful way. Yes. Because even the one I was listening to today, which was the person that was um, at the Wild Goose Festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anna. Anna. Anna was Galladay. saying, I am a Methodist. Right. And this was really interesting, and I loved it, of course, but was like saying, even more than I identify as a Wesleyan, and saying, like, I am... I'm actually more faithful to the foundational elements of our tradition than the way our tradition is being expressed currently, Mm. you know? Right. And that seemed very profound to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I deeply believe, and and this will show you like, as we've been talking about like my journey, how far I've come, <laughs> but I, I deeply believe there's there's a um, a theologian named uh, Liz Edmond, Elizabeth Edmond, mm. who wrote a book called Queer Virtue, yeah, and, and she argues in in her book that um, God and Christianity are inherently queer, mm. um, and thus queer folk have a kind of internal, um, this is my language, not her, but hers, but kind of internal compass towards the divine Mm. that is almost inescapable um uh i deeply believe that i mean Mm. i mean even among queer folk who don't identify as as christian or even religious there is this fascination with the spiritual Mm -hmm. um that i see everywhere Mm -hmm. um it it takes many different forms Mm -hmm but we can't quite get away from the divine. And, and she argues, she's like that. Well, that's because the divine is queer. Mm. <laughs> like if queerness is defined as a break, a breaking of boundaries, mm. if queerness is def- uh, defined as breaking out of boxes, mm. um, which it is like, how else can we describe God? How else can we describe God? Yeah. Oh, I, oh, 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 I mean, I just felt we have so much to learn. I'm, I'm just on the very beginning of a journey. You know what I mean? Like, listen to your podcast. Like, I, I was, uh, I forget who the person was. There's so many people you've interviewed, but I was, again, because everybody, I don't have a formal job right now. <laughs> I, I have time to listen to podcasts and read, which just sounds very dreamy. I, I, I would love for that to be my job, yeah. reading and researching mm-hmm. as a five, especially, mm-hmm. but like, um, Somebody I was listening to your interview today was is a pastor, I think, and uh, but you guys were really deep diving this concept of liminal space, mm-hmm. and um, and how that how that sort of syncs up with the uh, queer theory and all this great stuff, and and got into a conversation about God being queer, and mm-hmm. and and to me, again, it's a brand new thought to me almost based on just our last any I'm not any but our last podcast episode about you 
I, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to make this short, but like just learning about the concept of queerness for the longest time. And I'm so sad to admit this. And, and I do think we have an episode someday about like my confessions, so mm. to speak, which is <laughs> just, like, just get it out there for everybody's sake. Like everybody will learn, uh, you know, to grow up in this environment where we had this game called smear the queer growing up. It was just a natural thing, very natural, which I should almost give like a trigger warning for that. But we had no idea what we were saying, first of all. Um, but that word has now flipped entirely to become something so sacred and profound and meaningful. Among some people. Yeah. For me. I'm saying for me. Mm, fair. Yeah. 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 And, and, mm. and saying I've always loved the concept of like the role of a prophet. Yeah. This almost sounds similar. Mm. And when we're talking about liminal space, to think yeah. of this idea of like what I really do love about the divine or God yeah. is, is saying something along the lines of something that is beyond our comprehension, something mm-hmm. that is beyond our grasp and off kilter, mm-hmm. different, strange. Mm-hmm. That is God. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then so, so then queer folks have something so important to teach us. Right? Yeah. Ah. Uh, I, I, I will stop there, but <laughs> <laughs> it's new. These are new thoughts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Scott's they brand new. This cis straight four year old is on a journey. <laughs> I am on encountering a journey, queers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the way the way we say the way we say um, image bearers of God, you know, mm-hmm. I'm learning more about God. You have a podcast. Yeah, also, also Matthias wrote a book. Yes. Can yes. we talk yeah. about this book? Because it's yes. yeah. Let's good. get to the book. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's been waiting to get to the yeah, book. Yeah. Like, why are we talking about this <laughs> journey? This podcast. <laughs> I am so excited about this book. It's not out yet. It's By the time out. you hear this podcast, it'll be closer to being. It'll out. be close. The pre-orders will be will be going mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. You can pre-order whenever. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's called Beyond Shame, mm-hmm. creating a healthy sex life on your own terms. Oof, um, which is quite the title. <laughs> a great. It is. Title, it's a yeah. great title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I didn't choose it, so the, oh, I mean, I said yeah. yes to it, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, suggested it. But yeah. Cool. You yeah. had the content, and then people like pitched you some ideas. Yeah, my publisher yeah. was the one. Who, they they were the ones who came up with the title, um, and yeah, when they sent it to me, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. Like, you liked it? Yeah, like I did. That's I it. loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think that's that's it. Especially since shame is such a hot topic right now. In a, totally, you know, right. Yeah, because yeah, I, like, pitched them. I, I was, like, I wanted to be, like, provocative mm-hmm. and, like, kind of sexy. And, like, mm-hmm. what about, like, oh, come all you faithful? Oh! And, and, and they were, like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, that'd be so good though. So anybody listening, just know that that was on the table as a great. That's a good one. Right? <laughs> I thought so. Beyond Shame is also really good and yeah, probably it's, probably yeah. will get more. It will, yeah. <laughs> but it, like they were like, it's too cheeky. They're like yeah. you needed to be like direct and to the point. And I was like, fine, whatever. Like, yeah, whatever. yeah, man. But that's really clever. <laughs> um, yeah, that is good. You know, I, I, I do like, though, Beyond Shame is kind of nice because it's kind of saying, okay, Brene Brown, thanks for your work, but this is moving beyond. Mm. No, I mean, I'm kind of kidding, but... Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah I know. It's like We're not. But adore Brene yeah, Brown. I know. So she's yeah. amazing. She's amazing. She really opened things. Okay, so now, similar question to the podcast question. What would, how would you describe your book? What's mm-hmm. it about? What yeah. made you want to write this book? Totally. So, I mean, the the book is written for people, not just queer folk. I mean, it's, it's a general market book um, for people who grew up within uh, what we now call purity culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the kind of, it, it's not just a Christian thing. Like, it permeated our culture. Um, it did. But, but most recognizably kind of that evangelical Christian approach to sex and sexuality that had its heyday in starting in the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, um, all the way up until the mid two thousands, um, which purity culture was, I mean, there's lots of different people describe it different ways, but kind of this idea of sex is reserved for heterosexual marriage and only heterosexual marriage. One man, one woman within marriage, any kind of sex that falls outside of that is sinful and makes you impure. Mm-hmm. You're a terrible person. You may go to hell. Um, You've unwrapped the box. You're right. And you're ruined, mm-hmm. right? Like, like not just impure, but like you, you are... There's something that's been scarred in you and you can never get back. Totally. And you yeah. will feel guilty forever. Right. And, yeah. and regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, You'll never come back to restoration. <laughs> all these phrases right, right. we've all heard. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So for those of us who grew up in that, mm-hmm. um, w- whether it be like me, who like I, I literally grew up never knowing anything different, or the people who were coming to, to adolescence during that, that mm-hmm. stage, like, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a whole generation slash two generations of us who were so permeated mm-hmm. by that messaging. The book is, what do we do with the sexual shame that we've been given? Um, and then how do we construct sexual ethics that mm-hmm. are a little bit more expansive? Um, and how do we strive towards health? Like, if purity culture didn't work, um, what's healthy? Right. Um, we have to start to talk about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's the book. Yeah, that's just it. a light. <laughs> Oh man, it's so needed though. It's so needed. I mean, we were kind of saying the same thing about starting podcasts earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's another woman who we were talking about earlier, Tina Sellers, Dr. Mm-hmm. Tina Sellers, who wrote a book called Sex God in the Conservative Church. Yeah. And even as I'm saying this now, but as I've been reading that gauge with her material, we need so much more. We like, need so much more. So like this book and and also so much more. Like it's right. such an in a, a crucial topic, right? From we need it from so many different angles, right? And 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 uh, again, I'm just going with the flow of my mind right now. But like, um, we need to like, uh, we need to overwhelm <laughs> the status quo in terms of how we're currently talking about this. Totally, yeah. You know, 
right. and so, like, like bring it to the surface. I think yeah. it's something that like people, it doesn't get mentioned or it just gets like brushed past. Like mm-hmm. you're saying like even, so my, I grew up in a family that wasn't like really aggressively Christian in the home, mm-hmm. but my dad read Sex, God in the Conservative Church and he was like, oh wow, I learned so much from mm-hmm. this and he was not mm-hmm. even involved in the church at all. Totally. And he was like, I feel like I wish I had had this when I was like, my kids were teenagers. Mm, right. Um, and it wasn't, he wasn't getting his messages from the church. Right. But they were being permeated through the culture. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that would been cool too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, and, and to some point still is a yeah. cultural movement um, that, you know, especially where I grew up, they still very, very, very much, these have such strict moralistic requirements about what sex can be and what sex can't be. Yeah. yeah. Um, that are that yeah. Cause. These broad, like these specific lines. It's just right. such a limiting view of such an expansive like thing. You cannot create right. categories for exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, this is what I love. This is what I loved so far about the book. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I've read the entire thing, but I plan on reading the entire thing. Mm. But in the ni- initial parts of the book today, um, one of the very unfortunate um, ways that 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 work like this could get mischaracterized or misconstrued is that it's sort of a I I I, I have to you have to engage with people everybody so the, the and, I, and I guess the overwhelming thing is I remember what it's like to think this way and again mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sound condescending mm-hmm. or better but like. Um, the implication is if you're not going to follow this sort of strict moral black and white way of thinking about sex, right? well, then you can do anything. Totally. You know, and that was one of the things that was, mm-hmm. I think, coming across that I wish if people were skeptical would read the book and be like, that's not what we're advocating for here. Right. Beyond shame doesn't mean just do whatever you want. Right. Because um, <laughs> that's not going to be healthy either. But like... Um, yeah, I just think we're it's it just seemed so again like a word we often use here is wholesome. Mm. You know, good, wholesome, grounding, mm-hmm. wise. Mm. Um uh, <laughs> I want people to read this book now, you know. It's like people should really read this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it's I, important. I, I, Pre-order it, everybody. Yeah. You get perks. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I I think like I mean, even even when I saw the title, for the, or especially the subtitle for this first time, this idea, like creating a healthy sex life on your own on terms, your own terms. Yeah, like it, it feel like my like those, those Christiany feelers that I don't think I'll ever quite get rid of mm-hmm. are like on red alert. They're like, what do you mean own, on your own terms? terms? What about like, God's terms? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And and, and I I really believe, like, if we're living into our values, which our values can look different for different people, Mm -hmm. um, but if we're living into our values and if our values are about the flourishing of ourselves and other people. Hmm. Good. I think it's almost impossible to not be living into God's values as well. Hmm. Um, So it may look different. It, yeah. it may be embodied in different ways. It's not these strict black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. but that's not how God doesn't work in the strict black and white. Right. I don't think he does. No, I don't no. think they do. Um, 
other people disagree with me on that, of mm. course. But it feels like a god that is acting in a black and white way is paradoxical to who God is, or mm-hmm. like the opposite of what God is. Absolutely. And yeah, that's when you're you're not talking about God anymore. Well, God working in a way that seems predictable and sensical to us. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we've got it got all figured out and mm-hmm. yeah. can't be different or, or change or. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. mean, I, I think one thing that kind of blew my mind when I was when I was studying at the Seattle school and working on my theology degree, I, I had a theology professor who um, we, we spent a whole time, a whole term kind of exploring this idea of of desire, mm-hmm. human human desire, mm-hmm. not just sexual, but just desire in general. Um, and, and, and looking at what if, what if, like, let's just play with this idea of, of what if desire is actually God given <laughs> and brings us closer to God? Mm-hmm. Um, what if desire of participating in desire is participating in, um, God's work in the world? Yeah. Like God has given us desire for a reason. Mm. Yes. And, and like, of, of course there's this idea of, of the flesh and, and sinful desire. And like, I say, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. things are real. Um, but to mistrust our desires, mm. to mistrust the very things, the, the, our bodies that are God given, mm. um, I, I don't know entirely where I'm going with that. But no, no, I mean, <laughs> no, um, I think, but yeah. Well, no, I just think it's like a healing, a healing message to say that no, like this actual thing that you've been trying to like push back or say is an evil thing is actually like one of your greatest gifts and will yes. draw you nearer to God. Right, right. Yeah. I think part of it that I'm trying to discover even as like a youth pastor, considering myself a youth pastor, youth pastor identity, um, <laughs> is the the task of discovering yourself does require some messiness mm-hmm. and parents and people are kind of scared of that messiness totally and dave bazan who i hope to do an episode on someday who i hope to have on the podcast someday That'd be um, cool. he's a musician mm. the front the lead singer of pedro lion but um one of my favorite songs from their newest album is called um powerful taboo mm. and he has a long journey of like sort of migrating out of the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the lines is if you can find good by, vi- if you can find good vibrations, they'll try to tell you that you're in danger. Mm. And it's like thinking about a kid or anybody like discovering something that feels good and saying, Oh, oh you know, and you're out of me like, what and you're at war with your body and you're, mm. I mean like may- maybe you need to in- indulge in that. It might feel sloppy at first, but you'll come back to center eventually. Yeah. And then, and then later on in the in the in the bridge, he says, "I refuse to be at war with the flesh of my own flesh and the blood mm-hmm. of my own blood." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's like to think that like you have. I mean, to think that you have in certain ways. And we did an episode on sugar. <laughs> it's like certain certain in the Christian tradition, even like certain impulses are completely affirmed. Like, oh, you want sugar? Here, have some sugar. That's a beautiful thing. More sugar, more sugar. You know? Right. It's like, 
And then you have these other, which actually does damage to you, guys. I like, am like sugar is literally poison. I know. I'm on the rampage trying to be like sugar, everybody. Right. <laughs> it's not like I don't eat sugar, but I'm just saying it's it should I be. Say, I say like only in Captain Crunch today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of like, those days. It's, it's one of those days. Folks. Literally poison, yeah. but I need it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But 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 these like. Uh, you know, sensual, sexual pleasures and impulses as a teenager are so demonized. Ah, it's infuriating. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a parent of a 15 and 13-year-old, and I'm even currently um, trying to slough off the impulse I have to shame. Totally. Because I'll say things, I'm like, I don't mean that. That's just like me saying Right. Something that I felt like I was supposed to say, right? You know, right? And there's something I know that I'm supposed to be as a as a dad that it, it's not. Um, I mean, you only get one shot. That's the crazy thing. So I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be this way, mm-hmm. and so is my wife. But um, yeah, you find yourself just saying the things that were said to you, and gosh, it's really messed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess another interesting question is. How, how did this come about? I mean, did somebody approach you because of the podcast or did you have the idea for the book? Uh, I, it was a mix. Yeah. It was a mix of that. Uh, I had originally, so when, when Fortress approached me about writing a book, um, I had originally pitched to them. It wasn't a formal pitch, but I was like, yeah, great. Like I'll, I'll like, what if I were to take my thesis that I wrote for my theology degree uh, and turn that into a book. Yeah. And What's your thesis? It, so it was called Personhood, Intimacy, and Relational Flourishing. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Implications on Lesbian, Gay, and Bisexual Bodies. Mm. Um, and, and it was an argument um, taking the nature of the, the Trinity, of mm-hmm. Trinitarian relationship, and arguing that out of the flow of the Trinitarian relationship, it necessitates inclusion of queer folk. Dang. Um, this is so what good. I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more of an ontological argument mm-hmm. for queer inclusion, um, going in a direction that isn't so much based on like the clobber passages or, mm-hmm. or like kind of like, let's take these scriptures, but instead looking at like, this is what we know about the, about the Trinity, mm-hmm. like the nature of God, the nature of God and the nature of humanity. Mm. Um, inclusion is, is like, we can't get around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I argued when we cut queer people off from relationship, we cut them off from God, the work of God's grace in the world. Like, all these things. Yeah. So preach. preach. Trinitarian theology was like my healing grace. Yes. When I like was like, someone was like, Hey, guess what? This is what the Trinity actually is. I was like, oh, this, this is, is so an AAC's healing. painting of the Trinity right this there behind you. Of the Trinity. Oh my gosh. Isn't that good? It's beautiful. Yeah. I wish y'all could see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we posted it at times. But we have an yeah. episode on the Trinity. We did an episode <laughs> on the so Trinity. Cool. It was pretty chaotic. It was really chaotic. We're like, how do we talk about the Trinity? How do you yeah. talk about the Trinity? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dance, and <laughs> they're all one, yeah. and yeah. always ever it's flowing, beautiful. and ever it's receiving. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's great though. So that was, wow. I mean, I was like, I'll, I'll flesh this out into a book, mm-hmm. which I still, I still want to. Yeah. I'll do, read right? that book too. Right? Yeah. So. Like, I still <laughs> want to yeah. do. Uh, but they were like, they were like, mm, no, it's <laughs> too <laughs> niche. <laughs> like we want a book that people will read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, 
that that's not what maybe they said. you can still someday get that title though. Come oh come on, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. After a few yeah. books, right. you could get it for sure. Yeah, After a few bestsellers, right? Or just start a queer greeting yeah. card line, like yeah. one or one or the <laughs> other. Um, that's, uh, yeah. So so I, I kind of went back to the drawing board, knowing that I really wanted to write about sexuality, mm-hmm. and um, this idea, like I, I had been doing a lot of my own work around sexual ethics, but studying sex and sexuality and science behind sex and sexuality and yeah. all of that stuff. I mean, throughout my work at the Seattle school um, and, and really felt this kind of desire and need for mm-hmm. a book like this. Um, Cause there, there aren't many out there. Like it's true. I think it's, it's a much needed book. Totally. Like I, I feel, especially among like the queer folk that I know, most of the people that I talk to, like we all know there's something about sex that is, is healthy or or sacred or like whatever language we want to put on it, but we're not quite sure what. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so many people are trying to figure out like, what do I actually believe about these things? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I didn't write this book with answers. Like that's, that's not the point of the book to be like, well, here's what to believe. But instead like here are things that, I've learned and as I've talked to people and worked with clients and um, and then studied, like here are things that, that I think are at least worth considering mm-hmm. in these yeah. conversations that I feel like can kind of chart a pretty, at least for me, has charted a clear pathway kind of forward into what it, what is healthy sexuality. Yeah. On your own uh, terms. On your own terms. Yeah. That can look very different for different people. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Gosh. Do you want to plug people pre-ordering it? Do you want to share about that? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is the part. This yeah, is the you part. guys. Yeah. It's a double because we'll have done it hopefully in the intro too. Yeah. Sweet. I hope. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. <laughs> That'd be really um, bad if we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm so excited. Like we just launched a pre-order campaign for the book uh, with a bunch of bonus content. Mm-hmm. So so if you pre-order the book by January 10th okay. um, and, and email uh, you can either like if you if you've bought the book physically, um, you can just take a photo of the book and email it, or email your receipt. So wherever you buy, to beyondshamebook at gmail dot com. Okay. Uh, at gmail dot com. Email the receipt to us. We'll look it over really quick and give you just send you back some some bonus content. One of which is a master class with Linda K. Klein, uh, who mm-hmm. wrote a book called. Uh, pure inside the evangelical movement that shamed a, a generation of young women and how I broke free. Ooh, um, that I mean, that this book, is the bonus content we like to hear about, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Linda's incredible. Like her book is is mind blowingly amazing. I quote some of it in my book. Um, but but we recorded this masterclass called Four Practices You Can Start Now to Move Beyond Shame." Wow. Um, we all need it. We all it's an audio? It's audio. Ooh. Yeah, so it's an hour long. Um, and, and it's literally like we, we both were kind of talking and, and like my book is theoretical. It's practical, but it's theoretical. Mm-hmm. Her book is practical, but theoretical. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but, like I was kind of thinking about like what about things that people can actually physically do? Mm-hmm. Like things that we can like walk outside our doors and do to work with our own shame. Yeah. yeah. And Linda and I got super excited about this and we're like, let's like, let's talk about this. Yeah. And so we sat down and recorded. So there's four practices. You can start now. 
to, to work with your shame. Wow, that um, is super cool. Because you, you, you were talking about shame journal in there, and I was like, man, I feel like that would stress me out. Because mm-hmm. because you'd have to be thinking about shame all day. I'm like, right. I don't want to think about this all day. Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah. the illustration that I use yeah. in the book of, yeah. of marking any time you feel shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, it's something you can now, do. Now. Right. Also but now, it, it's also overwhelming. Now. Yeah. <laughs> These practices are a little bit more approachable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more approachable than that. Um, so, so that's one of them. Um, I think that in itself is worth it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. There's also my, my friend Tori, uh, who who runs an Instagram account called Notes on the Way, uh, which is, she does beautiful poetry and handwritten art. Um, she took several quotes from the book and turned it into um, her style of artwork that oh, is cool. stunning. Ooh, She's done work for like good. Brene Brown mm. and you know, all these incredible people. Mm. Um, there are four pieces that you get um, to download oh, cool. with that. You get the first chapter for free and access to an online book club that will start once the book is out. Um, Dang. So all four of those things, if you pre-order, um, only if you pre-order <laughs> by January 10th, email us the receipt and you'll you'll automatically get those, those things. You know, for our listeners and anybody listening, uh, it, it's... The, the perks are nice, and those are all valid, good things, but you also get a great book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's the funny thing about, like, <laughs> even thinking about Patreon, like, for us, it's like, and you, and, and it's like, yeah, sure, we'll do some bonus content on Patreon. You also get the podcast, totally. which you're already listening to. Right. Which is something, you know? Totally. Yeah. M- right. More than just something, but, mm-hmm. yeah, so you get the book <laughs> in addition to the bonus content. Yeah. And then also... I, you know, you get the, I don't know how to say this exactly, but we're supporting really necessary and important work in the world. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of it. Like too. this book is supporting your good work, you know, mm-hmm. diligent, hard work. I'm, I'm sort of blown away. I'm like, you get these two master's degrees. Then you wrote this freaking book. It's sitting here in front of us. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, writing, writing the book, getting the book deal, working with all these people. Mm-hmm. That's big. What? If there's time, we'll talk Enneagram after this next break. And Scott and I are both doing repressed. And yeah. so doing I think repressed. we're both we don't, just we like. We just talk about doing things. We talk about Maybe writing someday a book. We'll write a book. Maybe someday the we'll do time. a retreat. <laughs> the fact that we even have this podcast is pretty big for us. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, um, so we want to come back at Enneagram? Yeah, I think so. But maybe Ruben's poem first? Yeah, we should do Ruben's poem in between. Sweet. Ruben's going to come read a poem, everybody. Um, we've had a few weeks of no Ruben, and Ruben's coming. I can, just in the house, I can tell there's been a lot of movement over here in the hallway, and I'm like, I feel <laughs> like Ruben's getting ready for bed. <laughs> so we got to get this poem before he goes to bed. Okay, when okay, we come we back. Prayer to be Still and Know by Nicole Brown Lord, let my ears go secret agent Each microphone so hot it picks up things silent Reverbing even the hum of stone Close to its eager silver grill Let my ears forget years Trained to human chatter Wired into every room Even those empty except of me 
each broadcast and jingle, tricking me into being less lonely than I am. Let my ears forget the clack and rumble or tambourining and fireworking distractions, a roar of applause. Let my hands quit their clapping and rest in a new kind of prayer, one that doesn't ask but listens, palms up in my lap. Like an owl, let me triangulate icy shuffling under snow as vole. Let me not just name the name when I spot a soundtrack of birdsong, but understand the notes through each syrinx as a singular missive, begging, flirting, fussing, each companion call an alarm as sharp with desire and fear as my own. Prick my ears, Lord. Make them hungry satellites. Have your way with their tiny bones. Teach the drum within that dark to drum again. Because within the hammering of woodpecker is a long tongue unwinding like a tape measure from inside his pileated head, darting dinner from the pine's soft bark. And somewhere I know is a spider who births a filament of silk and flies it to the next branch. Somewhere a fiddlehead unstrings its violin into the miracle of fern. And somewhere a mink, not made into a coat, cracks open a mussel's shell, and with her mouth full of that gray meat, yawns. Those are your sounds, are they not? Do not deny it, Lord. Do not deny me. I do not know those songs, nor do I know the hush a dandelion's face makes when it closes, surrenders, then goes to seed. No, I only know the sound my own breath makes as I wish and blow that perfect globe away. I only know the small, satisfactory popping of roots when I call it weed and yank it from the yard. There is a language of all you've created. Hear me, please. I just want to be still enough to hear. Right here, Lord, I want to be. Everybody, so Matthias knows the Enneagram, and we're Enneagram people. Geeks. So we're Enneagram geeks. it wouldn't be no small thing if we didn't end with discussing the Enneagram. Yeah. I mean, even if we have a guest that doesn't know the Enneagram, we try to convince them to know it before they come on the podcast. <laughs> like, please try to know your type You're so we can talk about it. such good progressive <laughs> Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like that right? we just said that because I don't want someone to be rushed into knowing their number. I, know, I don't know if we've actually <laughs> ever done that, but I was kind of joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't joke. I know you always get so bent out of shape about my jokes. <laughs> okay, That's so, so Matthias, what Enneagram number are you? What's What was it like figuring it out? Yeah, so identify as a seven. Um... Although this is this is a new thing okay. that's been yes. happening recently, okay. I was um, at a thing a while ago, um, meeting with some people, and 
who know the Enneagram fairly well. And I, and I said, like, I'm a seven. We were all like getting drinks and they all were like, what? Hmm. No, like, like, oh, like, okay, fine. Whatever. Like you identify as what you identify as. But as the night went on, like multiple people kept saying like, you need to reconsider nine. Mm. <laughs> like, we're not going to tell you you're a nine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But, like, reconsider it. I still identify as a seven. Like, You've I, considered like, it. I, I haven't considered it maybe as much as I should. I haven't had time to. Um, but I, I literally texted another seven the next day, and I was like, I just don't think I'd be as fun as a nine. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh! It's like a really seven. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> like, it just wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be as fun. Uh, yeah, but discovering it. So I, um, I was pointed to the enneagram probably six, six and a half years ago mm. uh, by my RD in undergrad. Mm. Okay, his name was Andrew. Right? Is this true? <laughs> Am I making this up? Is there too much whiskey? <laughs> Is RD like a resident dorm person? Yeah, resident R-A-P-A. director. R-A-P-A. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so he was the he was the head of our of our dorm Old building. Dorm. Okay. Yeah, so we had RAs, which were students, and the RD was like the live-in, mm-hmm. whatever. He was super fun. Andrew was cool, and his wife Maria. They have a kid now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was and he was like, you should you should check out this thing called the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a course that Richard Rohr had taught, um, who knows how long ago, but audio recording of the entire thing and passed it along to me. Is it him over that green chalkboard? I don't know. Oh. It's it's audio, so I have no (laughs) idea what he's writing on. It could could be a green chalkboard, but I'm not not sure. Mm. It's this 12, 13, 15 hour, like Richard Rohr teaching a course on the Enneagram. And I mean, this was before, like, now that sounds so hipstery to say this was before it was big, but like, this was yeah. before anyone knew what the <laughs> Enneagram was. No, six years was. ago it was before like, it hit I thought it was like, like demonic. I oh, like, yeah, yeah, for you sure. You know, like, it was like, this looks like a pentagram. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Richard Rohr is like so mystical totally. and has this yeah. like, beautiful, right. but like right. out there understanding of God. Totally. <laughs> uh, right. But. I listened to it and just um, just mind blown. Mm. Like, mm. wow, mm. this is so cool. And I thought for a while when he was talking about it, like, I'm totally a four. But then he started talking about the seven. And, I mean, he described, like, when you hear your number, it feels like kind of like the skin being torn away from yeah. your body. Yeah. And, like, that was my experience. Like, mm. the compl- like, the painful the sense of needing to avoid pain and mm. like kind of his descriptions around that. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is who I am. Mm. Like, mm. um, yeah. And I, I was skeptical of it. So then I made my parents listen to it and my parents were shockingly into it. Oh, that is okay, interesting. Parents. Yeah. Like I don't think they, I don't, they don't like organize their lives around it mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Like they don't, I mean, they, I think they kind of care less. <laughs> we organize our lives around it. <laughs> right. Like I feel like I do too. Like I don't even know if my parents really remember listening to it, mm-hmm. but when we listen, when we listened to it, they were like, they were like, yeah, this seems legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was so unexpected knowing my parents. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's a one, my mom's a two. Like nice. it's interesting combo. Totally about that. Actually, you know what? That's my parents too. Mm, Two and a one. Yeah. Did you know that fours and sevens are 
it is said that up until like adolescence they are or in childhood fours and sevens are seen as being very similar mm-hmm. and like very commonly mistyped. I can see that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me as a four. A little self centered. Yeah. <laughs> a little narcissistic. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I have a strong four wing, so I can I I get that very evil gazing headspace, you know, like, yeah. All right, roast us. <laughs> so what was some of the things that were making you feel like your skin was being peeled off or whatever? What's the metaphor? Is that what we're saying? Well, it's so, I mean, I have this distinct memory then, I mean, this wasn't directly listening to Roar, mm-hmm. but then I started getting super into the Enneagram. Yeah. And this was when, um, so at that point, I was trying to convince one of my best friends, whose name was Abby Robbins, mm. to and is Abby Robbins pay attention <laughs> to the Enneagram. This is crazy. And Origin they, stories. They thought it was bullshit. Wow. Oh, well, an eight would I be skeptical. Don't try to control me with your paradigms and your right. little charts. And, and, and for those of you who don't know who Abby Robbins is, yeah. they are a Enneagram coach mm-hmm. who is doing incredible work. Yeah. In the yeah. World Abby's like amazing. Enneagram. Yeah. Um, but at the time, <laughs> Abby thought it was bullshit. That's great. So we were at a bookstore in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Hmm. Um, called Dixon Street Books, which is still one of the most magical bookstores I've ever been in. It's just floor-to-ceiling books that go hmm. on. Like, it's this tiny little storefront, and you think it's just this tiny little store, but they had bought, like, the full, like, two blocks of buildings back behind them, and it's just this floor is in Arkansas, to, you said? Where is it? This is in Arkansas. Arkansas, wow. Floor-to-ceiling, just maze of books. It's sounding even better than Powell's in Portland. You know, in, in a way, like, Powell's, I mean... Powell's is massive yeah. and so much fun. And they have everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dixon, it feels like, I mean, it feels like this treasure hunt search. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. not everything is there, yeah. but you can get legitimately get lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. It's That's so cool. cool. Yeah. So we were at, at Dixon Street Books and I found their Enneagram section. Yes. And rush mm-hmm. right to it. Right. And Abby <laughs> was like rolling their eyes. Um, and mm-hmm. I switched this Elizabeth. to the seven section and was reading it and, and thinking about like, after this, like, we should go get ice cream. Like, that'd be really fun. Yeah. And in the book, this was one of Helen Palmer's books. Oh, it yeah, so literally cool. said, like, for example, a seven right now might be thinking, we should go get ice cream. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, I like, I was literally like, we should go get ice cream. And, like, I was like, it just reddened me for filth. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it does. And I mean, that's the Enneagram and yeah. like, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it's, it's so pervasive now that we've kind of, mm-hmm. we've lost the art of, of being able to use it as a spiritual tool for yeah. growth, I um, which I think is some of the beautiful work that Abby is doing in, in, tip, in, in saying like, no, 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 no. Like this is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not just a game. Mm-hmm. It's not just a way to type ourselves, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a way to grow as people. And I mean, they're in the, the midst of writing a book right now. Um, that I'm so excited about book deals, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's pretty cool. How would you Mm -hmm. say learning about the Enneagram has shaped your faith life and your spiritual life? Yeah, I, I think the beauty of the Enneagram is that it, it takes the reality of our 
shadow side, darkness, brokenness, mm-hmm. whatever, sinful side, like what, whatever language you want to put mm-hmm. on that and holds it as a reality. Yeah. Um, which I think oftentimes, I think especially in progressive spaces, we we lose that sense because we, I mean, we're doing a lot of very needed work around like what sin is and isn't. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, at least I believe like the, the, there's still... I don't even know what language to use, but there's still that sort of energy in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think the Enneagram does a really Sin good energy? job. Sin energy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the brokenness. The brokenness. Mm-hmm. The and, and and since the Enneagram is organized around our weaknesses, mm-hmm. um, which weakness isn't necessarily sin. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make that connection, but... But there's there's something really beautiful about about focusing in on what we can't do, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. our particular ways of being in the world that that are our weakness, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that then we can work with and and learn how to move forward in ways that we need the help of God, the divine, mm-hmm. whatever, in mm-hmm. order to do that work in the world. Um, mm. I, I think the Enneagram is, is beautiful at, at showing us those pathways. Yeah. So. I forget who said it, but someone says Enneagram or what you focus on determines what you miss. Mm-hmm. And so it reveals like how our focus is on something. So we're just been missing this whole other shadow side. Right. And it's, yeah, like the reality is that that's there mm-hmm. and we can see it and confront it and not have to hide it right. or pretend it's not there. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because when we talk to a lot of people about the Enneagram and they immediately identify with a number that they find to be flattering or mm-hmm. they find to be their ideal self, who they want to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true that somebody is a two and resonates with a two and wants to be a two and it's all good. And so they're like, so the question is, is like, okay, you're a two. What about that resonates with you? I'm like, well, I'm always helping. I like being helpful. I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm saying, okay, well, do you give to get? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what I'm interested in <laughs> because because that's a, it names the dark element. It's like mm-hmm. fives, you know, have a problem with stinginess. Yeah, like you know, so it's are like, you hoarding resources and time? <laughs> yeah. So you could ask a five or oh, I'm a five. Okay, so you're an observer thinker. Sounds kind of cool. Sounds kind of cool to be a. But let's talk about. Your stinginess, right. and if you're willing to talk about that, then you then I feel like you're on to your number. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, just yeah. knowing like, oh, I'm a seven. I like to have fun, or yeah. I'm a four. I'm a creative. Totally. You know, it's like okay. Also, do you interject? Do you eat people's emotions and take them on as yourself? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, this makes me think of Susan Stabile, who you interviewed on your podcast, mm-hmm. was talking about sevens, and I think my dad's a seven. Mm. Um, and she was talking about how sevens experience a half range of emotions. Right. How do you feel hearing that? I, I mean, I think it's true. You like, think so? I mean, I, another thing that, that Susan says is, and, and I think we were talking about it earlier, is, is that sense of like you experience a half range of emotions up until a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the sense of you only experience the good emotions mm-hmm. up until you can't experience only the good emotions anymore. And then. Yeah. Shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, and I mean, I think, I think that's true. Like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I know the moment when shit hit the, the fan for me, it was, mm-hmm. it was that breakup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden I had to realize like, 
<laughs> there's grief in the world, mm-hmm. and it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and like I, I don't want and to you've been this. reframing all of the sadness and grief and seeing this other perspective for your whole life. Totally. Yeah. Right. I like I I hadn't like I I mean I remember I mean this was several years before that breakup, but. I mean, as part of going through the Seattle school, you have to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. It's required. Um, and, and I walked in and said to my therapist, the first session was, I don't think I know how to experience grief and I don't think I know how to be angry. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what are your goals? I was like, mm-hmm. maybe. Be sad and mad? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, <laughs> and and I le- I've learned how to grieve. I'm still learning how to get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah. Yeah, but but yes, to answer your question, like I, I think that's true. A lot of us sevens. I mean, I know I still I still prefer to sit in that that upper half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know that your work is to try and it's to sink in. Yeah, and to let myself sink in, and mm. to be aware of when I'm numbing and not sinking in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking about things you've actually said in your book where one thing you're saying is to a client, maybe it's time to make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's that's good advice yeah. in terms of just letting yourself feel emotions that feel like potential mistakes. Mm-hmm. Totally. But then this idea of like shame, obviously is the theme of your book. Um, even the concept of shamelessness is a way of avoiding confronting right. shame. And... Um, confronting these emotions still for me, even at this season of my life seems abstract sometimes. Like mm. how, what am I supposed to do? Like is shame here? Like, is this shame? I'm holding a bottle in my hand, everybody like, and then I look at it and I confront it. It's all something that happens sort of in the mind internally. Um, but you can't get around it. Right. So we have to right. confront it. And I, I wonder if confront is even the right language. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if it's more, and, and this may seem like semantics, but I wonder if it's more recognition. Mm. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's helpful. Because I feel like recognition isn't necessarily a cognitive task. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something we can do with our whole bodies. Mm. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily take cognition. Um, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean I think confront feels very active. Yeah. Like it's something we have to do. Yeah. Um shame doesn't work well with have tos. Mm. I mean shame is have tos. Ooh. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. just recognize that it's there. Right. I might I might put that as the main like little quote. <laughs> <laughs> shame is have to. That's so true. Right. It sounds yeah. so right. Yeah. Um and instead when we can learn learn to, to just recognize and sit with. Yeah. Um it's there. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Don't which, look. Nothing to see here. Which right. is like one of the, to me, like as I do Enneagram work and the way that Enneagram has helped influence me is this idea of holding yourself without judgment but without excuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's this balancing act of not judging what's happening but also not like excusing what's happening, just sitting with that this is happening mm-hmm. and now you have some awareness of it which will... I think through time start to shape the way you respond to things. You Mm. can cultivate different responses, but that can only happen if you for a long time are just okay with observing what you're doing and like holding it very just loosely. Like this is just what it is. And other people are doing the same thing too. We're all wrapped up in all of our own worlds, our own standards we've set for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all need each other. I mean, it's like the Trinity, <laughs> and it's everything we were talking about tonight, like in queerness. It's like, uh, I, even anybody that's skeptical about the Enneagram, I want to say like, okay, well, let's not talk about the Enneagram. Let's just talk about our different personalities and our different character traits. Right. The, mm-hmm. the idea that like, for some reason, for better or for worse, sometimes better, sometimes very worse, I do get energized maybe in a sadistic way <laughs> about talking about dark things. That's mm-hmm. when I get pumped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I've, I've had to like from day one, from like early age seven, age eight, realize that this is freaking people out. And I'm like, wait, you just did something. That's weird. That's crazy. Let's talk about that. And everybody's like, let's just go do something fun. And I'm like, wait, but what's that thing you just did? And you know, I just want to talk about that. You know, <laughs> I'll talk about my thing too. And, <laughs> Uh, it's always sort of looked at as like a buzzkill or, and so like to a certain extent I need to be by somebody like even, especially probably like a seven or nine, be like, let's just be present. Let's just have fun. Let's, let's keep things light. We don't always have to be dark. Yeah. And then sometimes I can go up to like a seven or nine or other types and be like, you know what, everybody, there's a darkness to life and it's okay. <laughs> we can sit here and talk about it. It's not, I'm, I'm not, not judging be afraid you. afraid of it. Yeah. And actually, if you talk about your darkness, I'm going to be really Jazzed. interested in you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and it takes, it takes people like a lot of trust to believe that about me. Right. And you too, Macy, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, man, it's all so interesting. All right. Well, here we are. We have a, a we're, we're a seven podcaster, a four podcaster, a five podcaster. We're out here in the world <laughs> doing the work. Look at us go. Should we end with a blessing? Yeah, I just want to say I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna read this poem, one of my favorite poems. I was telling Matthias off mic that I want to get a tattoo of part of this poem, but it's called "Do Not Be Ashamed." Matthias has written a book that you can all pre-order. Beyond shame. Beyond shame. You should. If you listen to this, just get it. Just get. Uh, it. I mean, it's like $16.99. It's cheaper than therapy. Yes. It's cheaper than therapy. That's a good point. <laughs> yes. You're not only supporting good work, but you're benefiting by getting this great material. <laughs> also, thank you so much. This has been so special. Oh my gosh. So oh my good. gosh. Yeah. Well, I yeah. This. I mean, in addition to all this, I just want to say in just probably the last few weeks, I personally have benefited from your work, mm-hmm. whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. The book, mm-hmm. the podcast, he, talking to you in person at the coffee shop, talking to you now, mm-hmm. knowing the trajectory you're on. It's Good, valuable, important, necessary work. Yeah. So Thank you please keep it up. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, so this is called Do Not Be Ashamed, everybody. Mm-hmm. We'll end with this. This is by Wendell Berry. One of, yeah, one of my favorite people. Okay. You will be walking some night in the comfortable dark of your yard. And suddenly a great light will shine round about you and behind you. will be a great wall that you never saw before. It will be clear to you suddenly that you were about to escape and that you are guilty. You misread the complex instructions. You were not a member. You lost your card or never had one. And you will know that they have been there all along. Their eyes on your letters and books their hands in your pockets, their ears wired to your bed. Though you have done nothing shameful, they will want you to be ashamed. They will want you to kneel and weep 
and say you should have been like them. And once you say that you are ashamed, reading the page that they hold out to you, then such light as you have made in your history will leave you. They will no longer need to pursue you. You will pursue them, begging forgiveness, and they will not forgive you. There is no power against them. It is only candor that is aloof from them, only an inward clarity, unashamed, that they cannot reach. So be ready. When their light has picked you out and their questions are asked, say to them, I am not ashamed. A sure horizon will come around you. The heron will rise in his evening flight from the hilltop. Spaceship and try and 